what it means, why we do it, how we do it. Um, that's the sermon by request uh, that we received today. It's a, uh, as I was, you know, preparing, as we're all preparing to, to enter into uh, the Thanksgiving uh, week and participate in that holiday, I, I thought I wanted to do a message that would fit with that theme. And behold, I had this request amongst the, the group that had been given in. It said this, I've always wanted to hear a sermon on what it means to glorify God. And then they asked uh, a bunch of auxiliary questions. In fact, I think there were seven of them all together focused on the, that. Uh, uh, what is the definition of glorify? How can I glorify? And, and uh, several others as well. But that'll give us the focus for what we're doing this morning. One of the reasons why you see uh, that phrase and hear that phrase so much is because it's all over the Bible. And, and so we could look at any number of verses, and we'll look at uh, several different ones this morning. But uh, I decided a good passage uh, to base this message on would be uh, the book of Psalm number 86, uh, verses 10 through 13. So go ahead, grab your Bibles, open up there. I always encourage you to follow along, read in the Scripture. You make sure that I'm not making any of this up. It's there in the book, uh, easy to find, right, almost right in the middle of your Bible. Actually, Psalm 117 is the very exact middle chapter of the Bible. And, and for your trivia buffs, it's also the shortest chapter in the Bible, just in case you want to know that. But Psalm 86, pretty close, easy to find. Um, the whole psalm's great. We'll concentrate on verses 10 through 13. So it says this. Speaking of God, he says, For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness toward me is great and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to share uh, and, and worship you this morning in so many ways, in the friendship, in the fellowship, in, in praising you for uh, the birth of, of a new baby and, and for welcoming uh, her into this world, for being able to share in uh, singing our praises to you and giving and sharing of communion. All these aspects, God, are of worshiping you. And now we continue to worship you as we look into our word, uh, your word, and see how you uh, want to encourage us, challenge us, change us, mold us, shape us. God, we pray your spirit would be free to do all of that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I think we, we start with the definition. That's one of the questions they ask. What exactly does it mean to glorify God? And in answering that, that's going to directly lead us into uh, uh, what it means to and how we begin to glorify God. The, the Hebrew word used in this particular psalm and, and throughout most of the Old Testament uh, literally means to make heavy. Uh, to make heavy. And, and, and the idea is that you are adding prestige or importance to something, therefore you are giving more weight to it. Um, and, uh, and the result is 
the word is uh, therefore translated as glorify or often honor. Both of those words, when you see them in the Old Testament, come from this Hebrew word. You're, you're adding that prestige to it. You're highlighting it. And, and if you wanted to get a good picture uh, of what it really means to glorify God, think of a dark room and a flashlight. Okay? You're in a dark room, you've got a flashlight, and, and everything uh, is dark, but where you turn that light on, and whatever you focus or shine that light on, that particular object will be illuminated and, and made visible and, and stand out uh, from everything else. Everything else around it could be obscured by the darkness, but that one object will be highlighted by that in exclusion of everything else. That means you're glorifying that object. Or think of, uh, think of a spotlight in a play or a production, a stage production, if you've ever been uh, and seen a live play. There's, there may be a variety of actors on the stage, a bunch of props, other things filling it up. But if they, they being the director or the producer or whoever it is, if, if they put a spotlight on one particular actor, Everybody's focus is directed on that one person. That's what it means to glorify God. We are putting the spotlight on Him. We are causing Him to stand out from the clutter and the noise uh, around. We are drawing people's attention away from the things of this world and towards Him. We know that is something that we can and, and should do because of all the examples we have of that in Scripture. I mean, we can be, should be, like King David right here. As, as he declared point blank uh, in verse 12, he said, He will glorify God, you glorify your name forever. And, and the idea of doing it forever, it, it means, hey, he's going to do it right now. He's going to do it for every day that God should give him afterwards. And he's going to do it through all eternity when he's there face to face with God. Doing it forever uh, carries the idea that it's an activity that is not contingent on my circumstances. I'll glorify God during the good times. I'm going to do it during the bad times as well. It's not based on your mood. I glorify Him when I'm happy. I'm going to glorify Him when I'm down in the dumps. It doesn't matter where you are. I'll glorify God on the mountaintop. I'll glorify Him in the valley. I'll do it in my home, and I'm going to do it when we gather together as a church. I'll do it in my car, even when that guy cuts me off. I'm going to glorify God. It's also not dependent on who you may be with. I'll glorify God when I'm alone. I'll glorify Him when I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll even glorify Him when I'm surrounded by those who do not know or revere the name of God. I'll glorify Him forever that's what david said and maybe you're thinking to yourself well 
that, that sounds pretty good. I mean, I'd like to be like King, King David there and, and glorify God forever. So now, of course, the question uh, before us is pretty simple. Well, how? How can we glorify God continuously like that? And I believe that this passage here in Psalms shows us three different means or methods. This would not be exhaustive, obviously, but three primary ways in which we can glorify God. And the first comes from verse 10 when he says, For you are great and do wondrous deeds. We glorify God by praising him for the great things he has done. In fact, glorifying God uh, connected with praising him is, is probably the most frequent way we see it happening in Scripture. Every time we recite the wondrous deeds of God, we are putting the spotlight on him and, and glorifying him. And, and you can do this just in general Broadway, as it is done here, this example of this particular verse, right? David doesn't, he doesn't get into any specifics or, or particulars. He simply proclaims God as a great God who does great things. It's who he is. So whenever you say, man, God, you are awesome, you're glorifying God. But we can and should also do this specifically by by reiterating some of the precise things God has done in the past and for you. And again, you see examples of this throughout the Bible, especially in the book of Psalms. Let me read a couple of verses from Psalm 47 and look how he lists the specific things God has done there. It says, The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He counts the number of stars. He gives names to all of them. So, what about you? What are some of the things that you can praise God for today? What has He done in the past that you can proclaim and therefore glorify His name? It, it might be you know, some, some broad general things such as he heals the brokenhearted, right? Or it might be a very specific time in your past when God healed your broken heart. It could be for his incredible creation in general. I was speaking to a young lady just this week and she was explaining how that is just one way that she remembers to, to praise God is by looking around at creation. Or maybe it's one specific aspect uh, that you're enjoying right now, the warm sunshine that God's provided for us today. It might be something that he's done in the distant past for his people and, and again you'll see this all the way through scripture they'll go back and remind themselves of those great things God has done in the past his creation his deliverance of the people of Israel from slavery and, and these, these powerful things or it might be the near past for something that God has done in your family's life in your life what, what can you praise God for today? Make a list. Write it down. Share it with God in prayer. Share it with someone else, some friends. 
Every time you do, you're glorifying God. The second way in this passage to glorify God comes from verse 11. He says, teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. We, we glorify God when we live in obedience to his word. And that's why David started this particular uh, request with the uh, idea to teach me your ways. It's, it's pretty hard uh, to live in obedience if you don't know what it is that God's asked for you to do. But his declaration is when he knows what God wants, that is uh, the, the way of God, right, what your ways are, then he will do them. To walk in truth means to live according to God's will. God says it, and therefore I'm going to do it. Don't you, don't you wish it was that easy? Actually, David uh, wishes it was that easy as well, but he knows it is not. He knows that there are times when he understands what God's will is, what God wants, what his ways are, but then he messes up and goes a different direction anyway. That's why he adds that final line to this particular request, unite my heart to fear, to reverence, to, uh, to bow to your name. David knows that one of our big problems is we have a divided heart. On the one hand, we can, we can truly want to follow God. We can want to do what He says and live in obedience to Him. But then on the other hand, we also sometimes want to go our own way. Selfishness wins out. We choose to do our own thing instead of God's. We have divided hearts. And so David's request is that, is that God will keep on doing his good work of, of changing and transforming his heart to be one that is fully, totally, completely devoted to God. That's what it means by a united heart. It's, it's all in and one. And that way he can actually be able to consistently choose to walk in his ways. And the good news is we know that that's a work, that's a request that God is committed to doing for each and every one of his children. The Apostle Paul reminded us in, of this in the book of Philippians when he said, For I am confident of this very thing that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God's going to keep on working on me and on you and on every one of us who have given our lives to Him until our hearts are fully united, completely one in following Jesus. Of course, we, we know that that won't fully and totally be accomplished in, until Jesus Christ uh, returns, but, but God has promised as we go through this life, He's going to keep that progress and process going in our life. And now maybe you're thinking, well, man, that's, that's encouraging. That's a good thing. And, and, and uh, uh, I know it's great and, and important to be obedient uh, to God, but exactly how does that glorify God? We're talking about glorifying God. And Jesus explained it like this. He said, let your light shine before men in such a way, that's the way you live, that they may see your good works and do what? And glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, God 
receives glory when our lives reveal to a, to a watching world around us the character and the goodness and the mercy and the love and the truth of God. When we're doing the things that God calls us to do, starting, of course, with the, the greatest commandments, to love God and, and to love others, people will notice and give God the glory. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that non-believers and, and those who are antagonistic uh, towards the faith will suddenly, you know, stop uh, what they're doing and say, oh, I, I better give God glory and honor because, hey, you're living an obedient life to Him. That's that, uh, probably not going to happen, right? Uh, it might give you a, 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 be a, a positive witness and, and, and God can use that to draw other people to Christ. It might give you uh, an open door uh, to share about your faith with some individuals. But, but chances are uh, the vast majority of people will continue to, to disregard uh, and neglect or reject God. And you say, well, how does that give him glory then? Well, Peter kind of explains it a little bit more fully for us. Uh, God's still going to be glorified in your obedience because, uh, here's what Peter says, keep your behavior excellent, talking about following God, doing his ways, among the Gentiles, and by that he meant unbelievers, uh, be, so that in the things in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, because of the way they see you living, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. So see, if, if not right now down here on earth, they will glorify God when Jesus returns. So either way, our obedience is one major way that brings glory to God. Another question then we need to ask ourselves, is there any area in my life where my heart has been divided? Yes, I, I really do want to follow God and, and love Him and be obedient to Him. I want to do His will, but you've also found yourself seeking your own way, wanting to do your own thing, going your own direction. Maybe you've been justifying a wrong habit in your life. Or perhaps you've actually just kind of shut your eyes to, you're ignoring an area that, that you know God wants to transform and change in you. Right now is a great time, like King David, to pray. God, unite my heart to fear and to love your name. Now the focus so far on this obedience has been uh, how it will impact non-believers uh, when, when they see that and bring them to glorify God. But it also impacts your, your fellow believers, your brothers and sisters in, in Christ. Uh, listen to another verse from the Apostle Peter. It says, As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that, here's the purpose statement, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. When we serve one another as brothers and sisters in Christ, God is glorified. So how can you serve someone 
this week. Sit down. Make, make a list of ideas. I mean, and they don't have to be these big, gigantic things, you know, that could take forever to fulfill and that kind of stuff. It could be just a simple one-time thing. Maybe writing a note of encouragement to someone, uh, bringing someone a treat, helping someone with a task that they've committed to, but now they're feeling overwhelmed and, and you know they are in life and you say, hey, let me give you a hand. How can you serve someone today? Maybe it is in the church. Maybe you say, you know what, I want to serve by helping in the nursery because I know that gives the moms a break or I want to serve uh, in other areas. How can you serve today? Because when you serve, it glorifies God. And if you're looking for ways to glorify God, there's multitude of opportunities to serve. Heading back to Psalm 86, I see a third way that we're able to glorify God comes from verse 12. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart and will glorify your name forever. When we develop uh, uh, hearts and lives and mouths that are full of gratitude, we glorify God. And you know, this isn't supposed to happen just on Turkey Day, right? One, one day a year, Thanksgiving, you know, you sit around the circle and say, okay, everybody say what they're thankful for this year. That's a great thing to do on Thanksgiving Day. But this isn't supposed to be Something that happens just one day a year. Do, do we develop those hearts of, of thanksgiving all year round? It's a, a way we live our lives. It, it, it should pour out of us naturally. It's noting the little things and giving thanks to God for them. A couple days ago I was walking up the alley to my house and I happened to notice a violet blooming, bright, bright purple and yellow. After all this hard freeze and, and snow and stuff we had, and here it was, violet, it was blooming. It was so pretty, just against the barren rock and stuff like this. And I stopped and looked at it, and, and I just said, thank you, God. That, that's really awesome. And, and, and we need to notice those little things. You know what my problem is? I don't always notice those things. Sometimes I'm too big of a hurry, too busy, other things on my mind, not thinking about it. And those things slip by without thanking God. I, I, I think to develop a, a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude, uh, I think it comes from two main practices. The first is, is remembering and recognizing the fact that God is the giver and the source of every good gift. It's those little things like a flower in the middle of November and the big things. James puts it this way. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. And he starts with that phrase, do not be deceived, because, you know, sometimes... We think good gifts come from other sources. Like we think maybe we did it ourselves. Or maybe it was the benevolence of another person. Or even the government. 
And God may use secondary sources, other people and this type of thing, but He is the giver of every good gift. We need to remember that and recognize that. That's, that's the first step. But then the second is choosing then to create the habit of actually noticing and then giving thanks to God for those gifts. Uh, and, and the only way we can do that is by paying attention, by thinking about it. And that can be hard, especially when difficult things are going on in life. You know, when things are really hard for us, when there's some trauma, our tendency is to simply focus on that one hard thing. But the truth is, we always have something to be thankful for in our life. Look, look at how King David followed up this verse uh, on giving thanks. In Psalm 86, he said, For your loving kindness toward me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. See, no, no matter what else may be going on, no matter what we might be walking through at this particular moment, we can always thank God that He loved us enough to bring salvation to us. And we celebrated that this, this morning through communion. But again, this, this giving of thanks for that should be frequently on our lips, in our hearts. So again, what do you have to be thankful for this morning? God's glorified when we stop and, and, and take time to offer Him our gratitude. You can offer thanksgivings to God in prayer. You can give voice to your thanksgiving when you share it with other people. Man, this is, this is what I'm thankful for, for, for what God's done for me. You can do it. You can glorify God and, and give Him thanks and praise when we're singing. That's one of the reasons why we sing as we do. What are you thankful for today? As you share that with God, with others, you're glorifying Him. So I want to end with just a couple of verses from another psalm that uh, David wrote that I think wraps this up quite well for us. Psalm 57, it says this, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among all the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your loving kindness is great to the heavens, your truth to the clouds. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. That's what we do when we give thanks, when we sing His praises, when we recognize the great things He's done, and when we live our lives in such a way as to reflect His goodness. Let's pray. Father God, we are, again, so thankful for Your love and Your mercy, Your goodness to us. God, we do want to have grateful hearts. We do want to give you thanks for the great things you have done. We do want to live to reflect who you are. And in all these things, God, we want you to be glorified because you are a great and awesome God. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.